Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, today I have a returning guest. I have Shirley Thiessen with me, and she lost her son, and I will let her tell you the story behind that. But her grief threatened to extinguish her purpose, but her hope and resiliency gradually emerged as she chose to participate with God to recycle her pain for his good purpose, which was the topic of our conversation at the beginning of the year. And that was episode 144, and I will link to that in the show notes. It was a really good talk. I just re-listened to it last night. (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) And I highly recommend that if our listeners haven't heard it yet, that you go listen to it. Shirley and her husband, Carrie, live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Now, I didn't confirm that with you, Shirley. You still live there, right? Yes, I do. Okay, all right. (laughs) She is the founder of a grief ministry called Corner Bend Ministries, which helps people understand how to be a true support to those who grieve. She's also written a book, The Little Black Funeral Dress, Five Things I Wish I'd Known About Grief, which is what we're going to talk about today. So hello, Shirley, and welcome back. Thank you for being here with us again. Oh, thanks, Laura. What an honor to be a return guest. Yeah, That's you know, awesome. I think about that. I think you might be the first or second one. So, <laughs> well, I feel like we I have a new friend in you, and I really yes. appreciate every time we chat. So, thank you. I do too. I do too. So, I want to start by asking you to tell us about Jordan and what happened. They've heard the previous podcast. It'll be a refresher, maybe help them remember who you are. And of course, we have a lot of new listeners who may not have heard you have gone back and heard that. So share Jordan with us, please. Oh, I'm honored to. Well, this is September. And uh, 10 years ago this month, we were celebrating Jordan's 23rd birthday. I remember so well uh, going out for dinner with him and his fiance, and he had just got um, a raise and a promotion at his job that he started three months earlier. Uh, He was just fresh out of university and just excited about life and all that was coming up. A wedding date was set for October 6th. And wow, it was just a beautiful outdoor wedding at a golf course, just as the bridal couple had wanted. Elise was a free-spirited American and Jordan was a rather reserved Canadian, but together they made (laughs) such a great match and they were just thrilled about all that God had in store for them in the future. Well, just a few weeks after the after the wedding, my husband and I went down to California for a holiday. And uh, we were just like high-fiving each other because our son was officially launched. You know, Jordan was gainfully employed, happily married, and off our payroll. Like, <laughs> life was great. Yeah. Well, October 18th, I remember it was a beautiful day, and I was determined I was going to go to just do one little errand before having um, a really nice time at the pool and relax in the afternoon. But that day, um, I decided I was going to shop like my husband does, you know, very efficiently, just get into the store, find it, buy it, take it home, done. And But as I walked into the store, I was quickly distracted by a rack of summer dresses on clearance. Mm -hmm. 
forgetting that I was in a hurry, I went over to have just a quick look. <laughs> and there was a black dress that clearly did not belong on that rack, but I was really attracted to it. I admired the design, the soft fabric and the beautiful lining, but it wasn't my size. I didn't need a dress. I put it back. And as I walked away, I heard these words. I want you to buy that black dress. You are going to a funeral. Well, my head whipped around to see who said that. There were people in the store, but no one was near me. Confused, I continued to walk away, but this time I could read the words in my head like a news ticker. Hmm. Before I knew it, I'm in the change room, standing in front of this full-length mirror wearing the dress. It fit so comfortable, it felt like a hug. But my rational thought was, I don't know anyone who has recently died. I have no funeral to attend. Besides, I already have a black dress in my closet. Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. But the message repeated, I want you to buy that black dress. You are going to a funeral. You know, I've heard God whisper to my spirit. I felt his nudges, but never before did I receive such a bold directive. I could not avoid it or deny it. Hmm. I bought the dress, unsure to whose funeral. I was meant to wear it. Well, I didn't have long to wait. Just a few hours after that shopping trip, a uniformed police officer was at the door of our condo. He was actually yelling out my husband's name through the screen door. Hmm. Like, Is Carrie Thiessen here? Yes. He says, do you have a son living in Calgary, Alberta, Canada? Yes. Hmm. Is his name Jordan Thiessen? Yes. And then he just thrust this piece of paper into my husband's hand and said, phone this number at Calgary Police immediately. I don't know what it's about. Wow. Within a few moments, my husband's on the phone. It took him quite a few attempts to actually dial the number. He was shaking so badly. Mm -hmm. He was finally connected to an officer in Calgary. And I was, I remember thinking like, what is this all about? Was Jordan in an accident? And then I remember my husband just holding his head with one hand and crying out, not my son, not my son. And immediately I knew our son had died. And he'd only been married for 12 days. Huh. And I thought, this is impossible. It's impossible. We don't even have the wedding pictures back yet. Huh. Like, it's so weird what your what your mind goes yeah, to. It's just, yeah. This is not the national sequence of things. Like, well, how, how could this happen? And it took me a few minutes before I connected the dots to that dress, that black funeral dress, mm. the one I just purchased. Mm. Now I knew to whose funeral I was meant to wear. And I sobbed in disbelief. But interestingly enough, the verse that came to my mind right away was Deuteronomy 31.8 where it says the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And honestly, wearing that black dress to Jordan's funeral gave me courage to give a 23 minute tribute to my 23 year old son on my darkest day. Wow. That's yeah. That's one of those things. It's like, what, how do you even, really even comprehend <laughs> what mm. God did. There are so many questions to ask and ways to take this. Let me ask you this. I know a lot of parents who've lost a child. It's like, well, that's a great story for you, but God wasn't there for me. 
I'm mm. sure you've had that. <laughs> what mm-hmm. are your thoughts about that? How do you respond to parents who feel that way? Or you, you know, you got a hug from God, I got nothing kind right. of a thing. Well, I think comparison is one of the the ploys of the enemy, mm-hmm. right? Yes. No matter what. And it wasn't that that even buoyed me up for a uh, long term because right. I'm I'm embarrassed to you know say that even a few weeks after that, I just fell into a crisis of faith. I just felt like God, I know you're all powerful, you're sovereign. You've protected Jordan many, many times. I've prayed for him mm-hmm. since I was pregnant with him. Right. And you have, I know you've protected him. I've seen it. Why not now? Why not this time? Exactly. Yeah. And so we can all go down that road or someone else says, well, they had their, their son for 37 years. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, how come you got your son longer than I got mine? Yes. Like, yes. So comparison is definitely a lethal weapon of the enemy. I I know it's so easy to go there, mm-hmm. but there is so much mystery, isn't yes, there? Yes. Yes. The, the older I get, the more mystery there seems to be. I had more pat answers when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This just throws everything out the window, doesn't it? Everything oh. that you thought you knew about God, everything that it just, it's like everything gets thrown mm-hmm. out the window. It's like, you're starting all over again. What is this faith stuff? Who are you, God? <laughs> exactly. I thought I knew you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, Jordan was living for God with all of his heart. Um, I knew that, but when I read his um, prayer journals after he died, it just confirmed again and again, how deep his relationship with Jesus was. And I was like, so angry. I was like, Lord, our country desperately needs godly young adults. Mm. Like, why would you, why would you take him home now when he has the possibility for influence and him and uh, Elise together as a cu- young couple, they already had some couple friends and you think, oh, there's so much possibility for the kingdom's sake here, mm-hmm. but you, but you removed him. Right. I, I don't get it. That's yeah. not in my world. That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in such a deep, dark hole for a time of bitterness that I even gave God a list of people he could have taken to heaven without any real consequence. Like, oh, my. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a really it's embarrassing even to say that. But, you know, we all know people who mm-hmm. are actually um, a liability to the name Christian. Mm-hmm. And you just go, you know what, if they're going to go to heaven anyways, why don't you take them early? Because they're really not contributing. Please, like, it's amazing where our mind goes. Very dark places, very dark places. Yeah. Yeah. And And the enemy is so ready to just take advantage of that and just take us even darker. And absolutely. Yeah. And you really had a crisis of faith, like you said, just questioning everything. Was there anything specific that you feel like brought you out of that? Was it just a gradual thing? How did you come out of that dark, dark place? Well, it wasn't a Bible verse. It wasn't um, a sermon. It was Mm -hmm. a sign um, that some friends bought me from a gift store. Mm -hmm. And the sign says, be the kind of woman that when your feet hit the floor each morning, the devil says, oh, crap, she's up. Mm -hmm. And that sign made me laugh 
But it also was like a kick in the pants where I had to ask myself, am I really that kind of woman? Am I a threat to the enemy? Or am I I participating with the dark side by remaining in this pit of bitterness? And so that was a wake up call for me. And I realized that, uh oh, I'm actually, I'm actually participating with the, the enemy of Mm -hmm. my soul. He is keeping me in a posture of despair. I'm actually choosing to stay there and I'm believing the lies. I'm taking the bait. I'm thinking, you know what? God must not love me as much as he loves Mrs. So-and-so over there who still has all her children safe and sound. Right. And so I thought, oh no, I, I can't, I can't be there. I, and so that was kind of the catalyst for me to choose to say, okay, God, I don't like this plan, frankly. Mm -hmm. I know you're sovereign and all, but I would have talked you out of it if you just Mm -hmm. conferred with me first, but this is what has happened. And so I want to participate with you to recycle my pain for your good purpose. I don't want the enemy to have the last word. And so I promise to say yes in advance to whatever you bring my way to recycle this pain, to bring good out of it, mm-hmm. for to honor right. Jordan and to honor Jesus. And right. um, that began my sort of adventures into having my looking up for my pain and looking out for the opportunities that God would bring. And he almost immediately um, started bringing those opportunities to share with others, to encourage others um, Mm -hmm. in their, in their journey of grief that I never would have anticipated. Mm -hmm. Now in, in your book, you shared five things that you wish you had known about grief. Mm -hmm. And so I want to run through these five things and just talk about them real quick. And some of that's going to lead into what you were just talking about. And the first one is that, and this is one that I I try to emphasize a lot, is you are not going crazy. You are Mm -hmm. grieving and there is a difference. There are so many things that I I mean, I thought I had early Alzheimer's. It Me just, too. It was crazy. So what are some of the things that you that you remember back at the beginning that you've seen others, you know, that just make us feel we're going crazy? What are some of those things you remember? Well, I'm a, a person who loves to eat. I just love mm. food. But I lost my taste buds. Mm. And I was like, everything tasted bland and yucky. And I'm like, what is happening to me? That was a shock. Um, short-term memory loss. Yeah. My my legs felt so weighted that going up the stairs was like it's so difficult. Mm-hmm. And I I'm somebody that like works out. And so it was like, what what is mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. Just my my mood swings, like I was agitated by the littlest things. Like mm-hmm. I could just blow up at simple things. Um I didn't feel like even a nice person. I had no desire. Like the things that I take joy of, they were like, I had no longer any desire for any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I loved to garden. I just hated it suddenly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like and everything like, is meaningless all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I have to live the rest of my life like this. Right. And that just compounded my, my loss mm-hmm. because like I said, I did not know that this was these physical manifestations of grief is actually normal. Right. 
I wish I had known that. Yeah. I mean, it's like hard to think even a full thought or comprehend maybe what people are saying to you. It's hard to comprehend what you're reading. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a compromised immune system. Literally, we get these irrational fears, don't we? I, I mean, things that we're never fearful of before. Losing another child was a huge one for me that Mm -hmm. I still have to fight sometimes. And so many things are bittersweet, I think. Mm -hmm. And you say in the book, you call them sad and happy. Sad plus happy equals sad. Happy. Yes, yes. (laughs) And that is one thing that I did learn eventually is that peace and pain can Mm -hmm. live in us together. And Mm -hmm. that's because the pain is so deep in our soul, but the peace is in our spirit. Peace is a fruit of the spirit. And so it's possible to have this incredible, intense pain in our soul and at the same time have peace in our Mm -hmm. spirit. And that is definitely the peace that goes beyond our understanding because it doesn't make any sense. But we can have that and pursue that. And, you know, if you had even described that to me before Jordan died, I probably wouldn't have got it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not until you experience it. Do you realize that that is true? Yeah. So there are just so many physical things that can happen to us that we don't even realize. And it's just part of grieving. We're not going crazy. We're not losing our minds. I mean, we are, but we're not. We think we are, but it's just all a part of grief. The second thing that you said you wish you knew was that hurtful things will be said, choose to forgive from a distance if necessary. I like that. I remember when when Becca died, my best friend, there was one night between Becca's death and the funeral, and I was just really struggling, and I called her. I'm thinking it might have been 9, 10 o'clock at night, and she just came right over, sat with me, and one of the things I told her was, can you just hang around me at like the receiving line, the, the memorial, you know, the part before the funeral? It's like, cause I, if people say stupid things, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just mm-hmm. I don't know. And so would you just kind of hang around and just keep an eye on me? And she did. Every time I looked around there, she was, she was kind of hovering around and uh, I did okay. But something in me, I just knew if someone said something stupid, I just, I didn't know how I'd react. I mean, I just, I didn't yes. know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I heard recently that God forgives and forgets. We can only forgive. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. That is they interesting. talk about forget, you know, forgive and forget, but that's not always possible. We don't have, you know, we can't forget those deep, hurtful things. We can forget the sting of them, maybe, but we're not like God. No, that's true. And you know, it's so interesting because even though we're in such a grief fog at the time, especially early in our grief, we can remember the hurtful things that were mm-hmm. said in a nanosecond, yeah. right? It's amazing how that part of our memory is sharp. Oh my goodness. I, I remember one, a friend, a, a saintly woman from our church who was, you know, maybe 15, 20 years older than me. She, she knew Jordan. Uh, he had done some work for them. And she just said to me, you know, I, I bet you're thankful that he died instead of um, being paralyzed. He could have, he could oh. be a paraplegic from his fall and you probably wouldn't oh, want that. So it's, it's better that he died. Oh my goodness. And I, I was, I was so Whoa. livid oh. that I, I, I couldn't even respond. Oh, and I, thought, I have a very close friend that is paralyzed in a wheelchair and she lives this vibrant lovely life. Mm. And I'm like, 
I would still have him here. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, and so wow. it is It is mind-blowing what um, some people will say. And, and that's why I think the foyer of a church is often a landmine. Mm. It's one of the most dangerous places to be. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I Yeah, it is. So is it okay to let people know that what they say just isn't helpful or just plain hurts? Well, I think most grieving people don't have the emotional energy mm-hmm. to correct someone. Uh-huh. But I know that on occasion, very rarely, but on occasion, I would. Uh-huh. But most people say, you know what? I note to self, I am just making, putting up a barrier and that person is not going to be allowed in. Right. In close. my bubble. <laughs> yeah. In my bubble. <laughs> they're, they're right. now out of my bubble. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I love in your book, because this book is written especially to help those maybe who know someone who faced a deep loss and to show, you know, to help them navigate through, you know, helping those of us, what's Mm -hmm. helpful and what's not helpful. And I loved your suggested question, you know, that if someone would just ask you, what do you miss about Jordan today? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think even if we had that kind of a, you know, what you just said wasn't real helpful, but I do like to talk about Jordan. If you want to ask me about him or ask me about my child, I would love to, you know, or, you know, those kinds of things. It is, you're right. We're so raw. It's hard to educate. It is easier to just close that door. Right. Yeah. Well, we're exhausted. Grief Mm -hmm. is exhausting work. And so to correct people or to coach them in that moment is, it feels so insurmountable. That's why my whole ministry is really geared around educating people Mm -hmm. about how to support with caring words, with empathy and compassion. Yeah. Because we, as a society, don't do this no. well. No, we Most don't. people don't know what is helpful to say or do. And some, out of fear of doing or saying the wrong thing, will do nothing. Mm-hmm. And then that feels like yeah. indifference to the mm-hmm. griever. And yeah. that's more wounding than hate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep, just be prepared that you're probably going to be hurt. And it's, yeah, know what you're going to do and pray it through and... They don't mean to. <laughs> no, it's it's very well-meaning people. But I have said to some people, you know, if you have, um, say, somebody who's just a prickly person for you in mm-hmm. your grief, and they're maybe within your extended family, you, like you can't mm-hmm. really put distance between you and them, give them a copy of my book as a mm-hmm. primer. Yes. <laughs> and yes. just say, yep. it, it will actually help them understand your world a little bit better, and it'll give them some talking points about what to say or what not to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, in a kind of a gentle way, you're, you're coaching yes. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I've written a book on the same, you know, it's called Come Grieve Through Our Eyes. And we were out with a couple this, uh, this afternoon, uh, spent quite a bit of time with them. And she got that book and gave it to her pastor. And mm-hmm. he said how helpful it was because it's that same thing. My book is specifically a parent who's lost a child. Your book is for anyone in deep grief. So yeah, it's almost like, okay, get something in your hands and give it to them and say, here, read this and then come talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. right. Yeah, there are tools out there. So the third thing is talking about the whole timeline issue. 
people who think that grief has a timeline, they have never suffered their own deep loss. So I know you and I both want to encourage anyone listening, you take all the time you need. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm embarrassed to say that um, the younger me was that person who thought you know, after a year or two, you're, you're probably good. You probably don't think about your loved one that much anymore because, mm-hmm. you know, you'll know you'll see them again and that's enough of a comfort and, and you're, you're good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. if I see you and you're actually smiling or, you know, engaging in conversation with someone, I'll just make this assessment. Well, Oh, look at right. look how well they're doing. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. Like they're over it. Mm-hmm. And Oh my goodness, I, that couldn't be farther from the truth. And yeah. so that's one thing I've certainly learned here. I'm almost 10 years in and I feel like it was almost yesterday. Mm-hmm. It it feels so fresh. Yeah, it can, yeah, it can just grip you so fast and you can find yourself in a puddle again. Yeah. Mm, yes. So I was shocked to discover that the second year for me was harder than the first year. Was that mm. the case for you? Oh, absolutely. It, it was a shock. Right. Because I was like, okay, just hold on. Like if I can just get through all the first Mm -hmm. of the first year, I will be kind of over the the crest of the worst part and I'll be good. But what happened is I realized that, you know, this fog of grief starts to lift and you start to realize all the secondary losses. Mm -hmm. Like now I'm not going to get the grandchildren that I deserve from Mm -hmm. Jordan and Elise. I'm I'm not going to have the opportunity to vacation with our son like we always did. Um, mm-hmm. He was the one who, you know, gave me some great big hugs and I, I don't have that anymore mm-hmm. from him. And there's just, you start to think about your future. He was, uh, he was the one who, we didn't know this at the time, but him and his sister had decided that as their parents aged, mm-hmm. um, Jordan would allow us to live on his property. He had a goal of buying a big acreage and he would mm-hmm. build this little house way off in the far <laughs> acre. And that uh, him and Chantel decided that that's where we would live in our, <laughs> you know, in our sunset years. And so she was um, then off kind of any responsibility because she <laughs> he was yeah, taking right, the, bulk, right, right. the bulk of the uh-huh. care. And it was like, well, now who's going to take care of us? Because mm-hmm. You know, and not even realizing that one of Chantal's great fears is the responsibility of caring for us in Mm. the future. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's so many things, right, that we don't even think about of secondary losses that we Mm. come to the forefront in the second year. And And Yeah. And for me, it was even just the fact that she was gone. It really happened. And Mm -hmm. the fog was lifted. And so now the reality of that was hitting yes. me that second year. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, if, if you're out there and you're feeling like I'm getting worse, I'm not getting better. It, I hate to say normal, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, for the loss of a child, you're not the only one. You're not going crazy. Right. You're not. This is there's no pattern. There's no timeline. But I would say probably even 90, 95 percent of the parents that I talk to say that that second year, because the fog has lifted. And if you're in the first year, we're going to pray that that doesn't happen, that you fall in that five or 10% and the second year is not. But if it does happen, just be aware that that Mm -hmm. it's a possibility because in that first year, it's like, it can't possibly be worse. You can't be telling Mm -hmm. me it'll get worse. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. can't, it cannot be worse, but it's a different 
it's a it's a different kind of thing that you're going through that second year. But I hope it encourages your listeners to even know that you and I and others, yes, although it was a worse year, that you know God got us through it. Yes. And he brought others alongside of us and we were never alone. Right. Yes. And these listeners are not alone. That's why we're here. Shirley and I went on to talk for another 30 minutes and you will get to hear the rest of our discussion next week, which will include finishing up this third one and going on to the fourth and fifth thing Shirley wishes she had known about grief before her son died. Do you need self-reminders that there is hope? You won't always be in this much pain and darkness. Have you found that hope for yourself and want to give it to others? One way you can do that is to get yourself a shirt. With the cold months coming, you can purchase a long sleeve tee, a zipper, or a pullover hoodie, or a sweatshirt that says, Hold on, pain eases, there is hope. There are also short-sleeved and moisture-wicking tees. They're all in various colors and sizes. You can also give yourself a mug for your tea or your coffee as a daily morning or evening reminder. To check it out, go to our website, gpshope.org, and click on the Store tab, and then the tab for Hope Merchandise. I will also put a link directly to the shirts and mug in the show notes. I just want to add that we don't put a very high markup on any of these items, but the money that does come in goes directly back into GPS Hope to help us continue giving hope to you and other perivers. So you are helping to support this ministry with your purchase. If you would like to just give a gift to help keep us going, that would also be greatly appreciated, especially since we're back on the road now and the Hope Mobile only gets about six miles to the gallon. Just go to gpshope.org slash support if you would like to give a donation. Let's go ahead to our birthday segment. Zachary Tyler was born on September 11th and left us at age 18. Petrina Charlene Bostic was born on September 12th and left us at age 28. Haley Douglas was born on September 15th and left us at age 42. Justin Seehafer was born on September 16th and left us at age 28. We celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. It will always be a special day. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would be honored to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out that information, submit it, and we will add your child to the birthday segment the week of their birthday. We'll also send you out an email to remind you to listen that week. One of the best things we can do for ourselves as perivers is to connect with other perivers who are ahead of you on this journey. Like Shirley said, you need to know that you are not alone and that there are many of us who have been in this same place of suffocating darkness, not wanting to live, not knowing how we can keep going on here without our child. We made it and you will too. So remember to hold on, pain eases, there is hope.